Once upon a time, there was a wealthy young man determined to show off his great wealth to his friends. So he bought himself the most expensive Ferrari sports car money could buy. He drove it to the club and he parked it out front ready to show it off to his friends. As he opened the door, a truck sped by and completely tore off the driver's door. Enraged, the rich young man called 911. When the police arrived, the wealthy young man began screaming hysterically about what had happened. He explained how expensive the car was. He explained that he had just bought it. And he demanded that they find and they punish the driver who had ruined his car. The officer, when the man had stopped screaming, looked at him in disgust and said, I can't believe how materialistic you are. You are so focused on your car, you didn't even notice anything else. The wealthy young man was indignant and he said, how dare you? You don't know me. And the officer responded, you didn't even notice that your left arm is missing from the elbow down. It must have been ripped off when the truck took the door. The wealthy young man looked at his arm in horror and screamed, where's my Rolex? The wealthy young man likely had one of our bumper stickers that's trying to teach us theology on his car. This one in particular. He who dies with the most toys wins. Sometimes it's a license plate. And then there are those who try to live that out to the best of their abilities in life. But what does Jesus have to say about this mindset? Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. Verses 24 through 26 are the primary, but we're actually going to start at verse 21 just for our reading. It's on page 747 in the Pew Bible. And when you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. From that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and He said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? The title of the message this morning is, He who has the most toys, dies with the most toys, wins. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Father, we come this morning with a desire to learn from you. Father, we come with humble hearts and eager ears. Let your word speak into our lives. Let your word challenge us where the need is there. Father, what we're going to talk about today is hard. And Lord, it is 
very contrary to the culture in which we live. And so, God, we need you. We need you. To overcome our sinful nature that will cause us to resist and reject what Jesus says. We need your spirit to take your word to make it a sharp sword that would cut us where we need cutting. We need your spirit to take your word and use it as a hammer to knock down strongholds that we may have erected so that our every thought could be brought captive. The obedience of Christ. We need your spirit to make your word a light that would dispel the darkness in our minds that we could see the glory of Christ. And oh God, we need your spirit to take your word and make it a fire. Burn away the junk and the dross in our lives that we would indeed be pure vessels for Jesus. Father, work in all of our hearts today. Change us in the ways that we need changing. Strengthen us in the ways that we need strengthening. Encourage us in the ways that we need encouraging. Father, just have your way in all things. Search us and try us and see if there's anything in our lives that's not pleasing to you. And show us what it is and lead us the way of everlasting life. Fill me with your spirit this morning that I would speak your words and your ways for your glory. For Lord, it is your words that matter. My, my words, my flesh would profit nothing. But your words, they are spirit and they are life. Let it be so today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now this passage comes immediately on the heels of Peter's great confession about Jesus being the Christ, the Son of the living God. After that confession, Jesus begins to explain to the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, he must suffer many things, and he must be killed, but he will be raised to life on the third day. Now Peter, still feeling pretty salty about his swell answer, takes it upon himself to correct Jesus. No, Lord, he says, far be it from you, this would never happen. Jesus' words to Peter are phenomenal, challenging. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me if you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Peter is seeking to prevent Jesus from fulfilling the Father's plan. And the reason that he's doing it is because he only sees things from a, a human or a self-centered perspective. Peter responds the way he does to Jesus going to the cross in part because he's focused on what he'll lose, not what the kingdom will gain. Now, Jesus' rebuke launches him into one of the more common teachings of Jesus about what it takes to follow him. Some variation of this teaching is in all four gospel accounts. So what does it take to follow Jesus? Well, it takes a desire, he says in verse 24. Secondly, it takes a denial. We must deny ourselves to follow Jesus. Now, denying ourselves is simply saying no to ourselves so that we can say yes to Jesus. Well, about what, you say? Well, anything. It can be about anything. Whatever Jesus tells us to do, there may well be a desire within us to say no. So what we're to do is we say no to ourselves so that we can say yes to Jesus about anything that He brings into our life. 
then we must take up our cross completely, continually, and willingly surrender our life to Him. Self-denial and cross-bearing are so essential to what it means to, to be a believer in Jesus, to be His disciple, that a refusal to deny self and take up our cross is a rejection of Jesus Himself. Now, our, our flesh, our, our natural inclination is to say, no, no, that's not the case. I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. But I don't feel the need to deny myself. I don't feel the need to take up my cross. And I don't feel the need to follow Jesus everywhere He may lead. And Jesus anticipated that response. Look at verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus explains that there are results from saying no to ourselves so that we can say yes to him. And there are consequences for saying yes to ourselves and saying no to him. To say yes to ourselves and no to Jesus. That's what Jesus means when He talks about saving our life. In this, we refuse to deny ourselves. We refuse to take up our cross. And we refuse to follow Jesus. And in the process, we lose our life. There is no following Jesus without first denying ourselves. Taking up our cross and follow Him. Jesus says in verse 25 that, result, that the result of saying yes to ourself and no to Him is that we actually lose our life. But that doesn't mean we lose our physical life, but our spiritual life, our eternal life. Now, if we give up our life for the sake of Jesus and the gospel, then we find life. But the life that we find, it's also not physical life. It is spiritual life. It is eternal life. Let's think of it like this. If I save my physical life for myself by saying yes to me and no to Jesus, I give up any chance I may have of experiencing spiritual or eternal life from Jesus. But... If I give up my physical life for the sake of Jesus and His gospel, then I gain spiritual and eternal life in the process. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 25. We must understand that denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow Jesus, that is not an optional add-on for salvation. It is what is all Part and parcel for what it means to believe in Jesus. As the old preacher cliche goes, we don't get to go down the Christian buffet line and say, yeah, I'll take salvation from Jesus and I'll take grace from Jesus and I'll take mercy from Jesus and I'll take comfort from Jesus. But but hold the self-denial. And, and hold the cross-bearing. And, and hold the saying no to myself and saying yes to Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. We either embrace it all or we reject it all. 
That's the choice that is always before us. Denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow Jesus is as much a part of what it means to be saved as believing in Jesus. In fact, faith in Jesus is what leads us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. Faith sees the supreme greatness of Jesus. Faith recognizes who Jesus is as the Son of God. Faith recognizes what Jesus has done in dying for us on the cross. And faith says the only rational response to that is to give my life for this one who has done so much for me. Faith in Jesus recognizes that what we give up through denying self and bearing our cross to follow Jesus is nothing compared to what we receive. When we receive Jesus and all that he gives us. If we do not see the necessity. Denying ourselves to take up our cross and follow Jesus. The reality is we either do not understand who Jesus is. Or we do not understand what he has done. We are letting culture not scripture. Define what Jesus expects of those who come to him. By faith. Now some will push back. And they'll say well you. You don't understand what's at stake in my life. If I were to do. What you're saying we must do. And Jesus anticipated that response. As well. Look at verse 26. For what profit is it to a man. If he gains the whole world. And loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I suppose we could summarize Jesus' response there by saying, No, you don't understand what's at stake about denying yourself and taking up your cross to follow me. Jesus compares the value of the human soul to the world. But he's not necessarily referring to the physical world that we live in. Rather, he has much more of a spiritual meaning in mind. He has this in view. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Now notice how Jesus defines the world. Three ways. First is the lust of the flesh. Now the lust of the flesh has to do with all the things we can touch, touch, taste, smell, hear, and see. Now often we we narrowly define it as sexual sins. Lust of the flesh refers to sexual sins and things along those lines. And, And certainly sexual sins would be included in the lust of the flesh, but that's not all that's meant. For our context today, think of the lust of the flesh It's all the stuff that you want to do. So imagine a scenario where you are physically and financially able to do anything and everything you want to do without fail. Skydiving in the Caribbean? No problem. Breakfast in France, lunch in Spain, dinner in Italy? No problem. Compete and win in the world's strongest man competition? No problem. 
Driving the Indy 500? No problem. African safari? No problem. Take a cruise around the world? No problem. Right? There are no limits because you are physically and financially able to do whatever it is that you can imagine that you want to do. So what would it be for you? The thing that you want to do. Keep that in your mind. And then there's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes has to do with anything we can see and then begin to desire. It can be anything. Right? It can be something expressly forbidden by God. But it could even be something that is a good thing until our desire and really our obsession to obtain it makes it a, a God-like thing in our lives. It could be sexual in nature or it could be materialistic in nature. It could be an object or it could be a person. For our context today, think of it as all the stuff you can see and then want. Right? So imagine a scenario where you are physically and financially able to, to have or to do anything and everything you see and then want. Again, sky is the limit. That private Caribbean island you saw on Island Life, no problem. Maserati sports car, it's yours. Big house with a private beach complete with a full staff so you don't have to cook or clean, no problem. Man cave with an HD big screen TV as big as the wall, complete, com, complete with all sports, all the time, on demand channel, no problem. There are no limits because, again, you are physically and financially able to have anything and everything that you see. So what would yours be? Keep that in your mind. And then the pride of life. The pride of life refers in part to an arrogant spirit. In part, it's a person who is so focused on themselves that they, they desire, they crave attention or admiration or recognition from others. Could be in regards to their looks, their dress, their position, their skills, their status, or their wealth. It, it pictures a, a pride in what life can or has offer or what one has accomplished. For our context, think of pride of life as all the stuff you can be. So again, imagine a scenario where you are physically and financially able to be anything and everything you wanted to be. You really can be all that you can be. So what do you want to be? President of the United States? Done. Ruler of your own Caribbean island? No problem. Astronaut? Okay. Rock star? Done. Movie star? Not a big deal. Kim Kardashian's best friend? That's fine. Whatever it is, you are able to do it. There are no limits because you are physically and financially able to be them all. So what would it be? Now, let's go back to Jesus with this. Keep in mind, all that you can do, all that you can see and desire and have, all that you can be. Now look back at Jesus and His, ver His words in verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the, the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? According to Jesus, if you did everything 
you wanted to do. You had everything you ever saw and desired. And you were able to be everything you ever wanted to be, but lost your soul by not denying yourself, not taking up your cross and not following Jesus. It would not be worth it. Jesus says your soul is worth more than all you can do. Jesus says your soul is worth more than all you can see and desire. Jesus says your soul is worth more than all you could ever possibly become in this life. To live a life saying yes to yourself and no to Jesus so that you can pursue all that you want to do. And you can pursue all that you want to acquire. And you can pursue all that you want to be is to trade your eternal soul for things that are passing. Right? Because look again at what John says. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. All of the stuff that we can want to do Is passing away. All of the stuff we can see and desire is passing away. All of the stuff we can become is passing away. But our souls, our souls are eternal. And those who do the will of God, they live and abide forever. There is nothing that this world offers that even remotely compares to the value of your soul. Your soul will last forever. To trade your soul for the stuff of this world that's passing away that you want to do. For the stuff of this world that you see and desire that's passing away. To to trade your soul for whatever you can be. It's passing away. It's the worst trade you could ever make. If I had a Maserati sports car and traded to someone for a piece of pocket lint, you would think I was a fool. But that is the deal of the century compared to trading your eternal soul for the passing things of this world. Now there are many reasons that this is a bad trade and not the least of which is the difference between eternity and the passing nature of this life. This life is but a blip in the time frame of eternity. This life will end. Eternity will not. People who died a thousand years ago are still in whatever eternity their life decisions chose for them. And in a thousand more years, they'll still be in that same eternity. And the only thing that will have changed in the thousand years is that we will be in eternity with them. And not only will we have joined them in eternity, but all the stuff that we did and all the stuff that we saw and acquired and all the stuff that we labored to become, it will be long forgotten. Most of us know that what I'm about to say is true. But others may find this a bitter truth to swallow. It won't take a thousand years 
for all the stuff we've done and all the stuff we've acquired and all the stuff we've become to be forgotten or to lose value. For most of us, all of that will be long forgotten within a few years of our death. But even beyond that, the reality is much of it will be forgotten and have lost its value in just a couple of years from right now. Graduation was last month. Many of those who graduated, it's a common thing to hear in the graduate speeches that it was the best time of their life. They'll never forget what happened in their high school. Never forgot what they did. Never forget what they acquired. Never forget what they had become. Never be forgotten. The reality is it will. I thought about my experiences with this during my study for this message. I I thought high school was the greatest time of my life until I joined the army. I thought this is what life is about. And I thought the army was the greatest time of my life until I started college. And I thought college was the greatest time of my life that would never be forgotten, would never lose its value until I started dating this pretty girl from Arkansas. And then I thought, this is the greatest time of my life. It'll never be forgotten. Its value will never diminish until we got married. And then I thought, young, good looking, we were married, single, no kids. I mean, this is the greatest Time of our life. The value of this will never be diminished. Until we held our children. And then I thought, kids, oh my word, babies. This is the greatest time of my life. This value of this will never be diminished or forgotten. Then they were toddlers. Running around, saying funny things, asking questions, getting in stuff they ought not be in. And I thought, this, this is the greatest time of my life. The value of this will never be diminished or forgotten. And then they became teenagers. And I thought, oh my gosh, toddlers were so cute. <laughs> no, not really. The point is that the stuff that's not Jesus that seems so valuable now will not even hold the same value to you in a few years. And since that's the case, why trade your eternal soul for something even you won't find significantly valuable in a few years on this earth, much less in eternity? So the key truth today, those who die without Christ lose, regardless of how many toys they have. Those who die without Christ lose, regardless of how many toys they have. I think there are three possible ways that we could respond to what Jesus says here. We may say, I I try to live this way. For those who try to live this way, I, I say, keep going. You're on the right track. This is the path that Jesus leads all those that He saved 
the desire, the, the want to try to take up your cross, deny yourself and follow Jesus. That is, that's the path of life. That's the narrow way. That's the path that leads to glory to come. It's the path that the Apostle Paul traveled. We know because he said things like to live is Christ. To die is gain. I mean, man, in other places he talked about he had forsaken all for the cause of Christ and counted as, as rubbish, the New King James says. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but let me kind of take a rabbit trail because this is amazing. When you look at all that Paul gave up to follow Jesus, he gave up his wealth, his position in society, his influence among his peers, his career path, a life of ease and comfort, and he traded it. The only thing Paul really got out of it, as far as anything went, was Jesus. Because in this life, Paul received beatings and persecutions and mockings and rejection. And it was all for Jesus. And he said, all the stuff that he lost, he counted it as, as rubbish. And the, the Greek word is, I think, skubala. And it literally refers to human waste. What a radical change in Paul's life. Paul would say, all of the stuff that this world offers, all the stuff you can do, all the stuff you can see and desire, all the stuff that you can be, it's just human waste compared to Christ. He also said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Living this life is what, what inspired Esther Kerr Rusthoy to write these beloved words. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. For those that would say, I try to live this way, I say, never give up. Don't let up. It will be worth it all. Now there will be times in all of our lives where we fail to live up the way we ought to live. But don't let those moments keep you down. Recognize the sin of a selfish decision. Recognize the rebellion of saying no to Jesus. Confess it. Confess it as sin. And trust the promise that if we confess our sins, that Jesus is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Embrace that forgiveness. And then move out living for Jesus like He wants you to do again. Another way to respond is not only I, I, li I try to live this way, but I want to live this way. Now there are likely some, the, the desire of their heart because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, it is to live like Jesus describes, but that seems like an impossibility. And I'm not going to lie by saying that it's easy. I'm not even going to give you a pep talk to say you can do it. Because the reality is you can't. But let me clarify what I mean by you can't. You can't do it in your own strength. But thankfully, you don't have to do it in your own strength. 
I know Philippians 4.13 has been put on so many coffee mugs that it's almost become a cliche, but the reality is we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If there is something Jesus wants us to do, make no mistake, Jesus will empower us to do it. And this self-denying, taking up our cross and following Jesus, it is something He wants us to do. So He will empower us to do it. We get the power to live the way Jesus wants by seeking Jesus. I love this passage. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Jesus is our great high priest who has faithfully done all that the Father wanted Him to do, including denying Himself and taking up His cross to walk the path the Father wanted Him to walk. He was even tempted in that moment just as we are in ours. I mean, let's not forget the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prayed, if it were possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. What was the cup? He wanted to pass the cross, the death, the horror of all of that. But in the end, Jesus surrendered his will to the Father. Nevertheless, not as I will, as you will. He denied himself and he took up his cross and he followed the Father's plan. Since he has felt our pain and our temptations... He is able to help us in our time of need. If you realize the way of the cross that Jesus describes is the way that we're supposed to live as disciples of Jesus. But you know in your heart you can't do it on your own. Oh friend, you're in just the place you need to be to experience God's power at work in your life. And what you need to do is to call upon Jesus. Your great high priest. Go to the throne of grace. And receive mercy and grace to help you. In your time of need. Let your weakness. Not cause you to say I'll be stronger. Don't let your weakness cause you to say I'll do better. Let your weakness drive you to Jesus. Cry out to him for grace. And mercy to help you. The promise is you will find. What is necessary to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Him? I try to live this way. I want to live this way. I refuse to live this way. There are some who will see what we've talked about this morning, what Jesus has said. And they would say they are not even going to try. Now, I think it's, I say I think it's unlikely, but that may not be true. I think it's unlikely for some. It's unlikely that some will say it this plainly, I refuse. Said there are others that just look at this and they just deepen their mind. They know they're selfish and they're self-centered. And they know they're not even really going to try. 
to say no to Jesus. Or say no to themselves and yes to Jesus. Some, some deceive themselves. And they can't conceive of a situation when Jesus would expect them to say no to themselves, to say yes to him. Jesus would never ask me to do anything I don't want to do. And then there are some that would just flat out say, no, I'm just not going to do this. But it's all the same thing. No matter how we justify it, if we justify it by saying, it's just not for me, we're saying I refuse. If we justify it by saying, well, I just know me and I'm too selfish to even bother with it, we're saying I refuse. And if we just say I refuse, we're saying I refuse. For those who would try to wiggle out of following Jesus in this way, those who would refuse to do it, I want to reiterate what's at stake with the decision that you're making. And I want to urge you to reconsider. Because there is nothing that you will give up in denying yourself and following, taking up your cross to follow Jesus that is worth more than your eternal soul. Some will push back and they'll say, there's no way. There's no way that the pursuit of the stuff I want to do would cost me my soul. There's no way that the pursuit of what I see and desire could cost me my soul. There's no way that the pursuit of all I want to be would cost me my soul. You're wrong. And to those people I would say, it's not me that's saying it. It's Jesus. And when you look at what Jesus says to those who try to correct him, he says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're not mindful of things of God, but of the things of men. I mentioned this last week, but the reality is when we take the cross out of the Christian life, that is satanic in origin. That is not anything good or godly or right or true. Jesus says we must deny ourselves. We must take up our cross and we must follow him. And he says if We save our life by saying yes to ourselves and no to Him. We lose our soul. And that is a bad choice. Because nothing is worth more than our soul. But this isn't even the only place He says this. right? He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where neither moth nor nor rust destroys where the thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. Let me ask you, how do we store up treasures in heaven? We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow Jesus. How do we store up treasures on earth? We say yes to ourselves and we say no to Jesus. How do we know which where we're laying up treasure? Well, what do we think about the most? Jesus says where your treasure is, there's where your heart and your thoughts will be also. 
So what is it that you think about most? Is it all the stuff you can do that this world offers? Is it all the stuff you see and desire that this world offers? All the stuff you can be that this world offers? What tugs at your heart the most? All the stuff you can do? All the stuff you can see and desire? All the stuff you can be? If so... That tells you where your heart is. It tells you where your treasure is. That tells you that you are saying yes to yourself and no to Jesus. Why does this matter so much? Because we can't serve two masters. We'll either hate one and love the other or we'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Mammon is a, a representation for the physical stuff of the world. It could represent all the stuff we want to do and all the stuff we want to acquire and all the stuff that we want to be. If you despise and reject what we've talked about this morning, that shows you who your master is in life. So, again, I I urge you to reconsider your decision. And when I say I'm urging you to reconsider, I'm not urging you to try harder. Because that's not going to make a difference. And I'm not urging you to, to do more. Because that's not going to make a difference. What I'm urging you to do It's to come to Jesus in faith and be born again. See, when we're born again, Jesus changes our thinking. And we'll see that His way is best. And when we're born again, Jesus changes our heart so that we'll desire to do what He wants us to do. And when we're born again, Jesus changes our will so that we will actually try to do the things that He has told us to do. If your initial reaction to what we've talked about today, to reject the teachings of Jesus here, you don't need moral reform. And you don't need to turn over a new leaf. And you don't need to try harder. And you don't need to make a list of goals. Or priorities. You need to be born again. And to be born again you must place your faith in Jesus. To place your faith in Jesus is more than believing that there is a God out there somewhere. Placing your faith in Jesus is even more than believing that Jesus existed. Faith involves the mind, the heart, and the will. The mind learns that Jesus died for you. And the mind says, Jesus died for my sin of selfishness. And Jesus died for my rebellion that makes me unwilling to say no to myself and yes to Him. And then the heart desires Jesus. The heart says, I want the one that has loved me this much. 
The heart says, I want forgiveness. I want to be made new. I want to know Jesus. But in the end, it is the will that makes the final and lasting decision. It is possible to accept the truth of Jesus. For the mind to accept the truth of Jesus. It is possible for the heart to desire the forgiveness of Jesus. And the will to refuse to take hold of Jesus. There is a difference between illumination and regeneration. Just because we understand what the word says. Does not mean we've been born again. There is a difference between conviction and conversion. Just because we feel the weight of what Jesus has said on us does not mean we are born again. The difference is in the will to reach out and take hold of Jesus and all that He offers. To reach out and take hold of Jesus requires you to let go of your self-righteousness and your self-sufficiency. It requires you to let go of your selfishness and your rebellion. It requires you to accept that there is no good work that you can do to receive what Jesus offers. That it is only by His death and faith in what He has done that makes salvation and righteousness possible. That on your own, you will never be acceptable to God. You're only acceptable through Jesus Christ. You cannot cling to selfishness and the cross at the same time. You cannot cling to self-righteousness and the cross at the same time. You cannot cling to selfishness and the cross at the same time. You cannot cling to rebellion at the cross at the same time. You must let go of one. To grab the other. That is your decision to make. You alone can make it. You alone must choose to make it. And I am pleading with you today. Do not trade your eternal soul. For the passing things that the world entices you to do. Do not trade your eternal soul. For the passing things the world entices you to desire and pursue. Do not trade your eternal soul. For the passing things the world entices you to become. Save your soul. Flee to Jesus. Cling to Him by faith. Be born again. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. This morning, if 